an honor to be here. Uh, my name is Faith Yuri Cho. I do live in New Jersey, although I'm not originally from New Jersey. Um, I, my husband and I, we co-planted Mosaic Covenant Church uh, right in Paramus. We have four children. We have two dogs. It's uh, I'm clearly a glutton for suffering. <laughs> You know, church planter, <laughs> four children, two dogs. In you know, a post, uh, during and post-pandemic world, it's been crazy, but it's been good. Um, but it's an honor to be here. I just came back from California, but and it was just like one of those. I mean, I don't know if this is like a very typical Andrew Mook situation, but he, like got me uh, two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but um, but what he did. You know, with all the enthusiasm that is Andrew Mook, I, I, uh, I did sense in the spirit that God wants to do something here. Um, and it's just an honor to be a participant. Um, if you will allow me, can I just start us off in prayer? Yeah, let's. Uh, and if you will, with me, the, the Holy Spirit is already here. But if you would acknowledge him with me. just even for this moment to put aside your intrusive thoughts. To acknowledge the king. To welcome him. Jesus, you are the dream. You are the purpose. You are the reason. So God, I just pray that in this gathering here in Providence, Rhode Island, that God, that you will shake what needs to be shaken. That Lord, that you will break what needs to be broken. That God, that you will glorify and magnify the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that you resurrect hope in the jaded heart. That you, will, that you will unravel pain in the one that has been in the storm. That you give us the revelation that we need, because God, we need it, Lord. Some of us, we are one revelation away from the breakthrough. So Jesus, we ask that you give it, and for those that have a hard time just getting it, give us the grace. Give us that grace, Lord, to know you and to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to go through scripture, so don't worry. I'm going to get into that. Sometimes when my intro is a little longer, people are like, oh, she's not preaching from the Bible. I am. So, <laughs> but, um, but just to give you an idea of like a little bit about me and who it is that's talking to you aside from the bio and things like that and why is this abnormally tall Asian woman like, you know, <laughs> invited here. Um, but <laughs> people always are like, oh, you're tall, you know. Um, I am. Anyways, I am um, a, a child of the presence of God. Uh, I was not raised in a Christian home. I, uh, but when I was around six years old, I, was, I just had this thought, like, if God is real, then I need to know him. And every night I used to pray. And I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't go to church. I didn't know what any of this was but it's so wild because I remember uh, on a family vacation 
I remember I was in the hotel, my parents were packing our bags to leave and I was watching a gospel film on the television and I asked my mother, who is that man? And she said, that's Jesus. And I said, well, he looks like a very nice man, <laughs> you know? But you know what, that day we actually almost died. Our car flipped over twice in the Nevada desert. I think the devil got scared. You know what, because I found out God's name that day. After we healed, or, you know, we, we took like a month off to, to kind of heal from that car accident where everybody said we should have died. I told my mother, I mean, you know, I don't know why, but I just told her, like, send me to the library. And she took me to the library, and I asked the librarian, do you have books on Jesus? And she looked at me, and she's like, child, you got to go to church for that. <laughs> you know? And so I would tell my mom, drop me off at church. I was just looking for God. But you know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't, really, uh, I didn't really encounter him. And I wasn't really saved until I was 16 years old. My mother was saved by that time. And she looked at me as I was growing up to be a very dark, dark teenager. And she was like, this child needs Jesus. This child needs God. You know? So she sent me to Mexico. So it's funny. I was born in Korea, lived in America, got saved in Mexico. And she sent me, it was like this youth camp mission situation. It's funny. I went on a mission trip without knowing Jesus. It's like, you can say a lot about how that works. Um, but I went, and I remember I got tricked into salvation because the, the missionary pastor, missionaries are crazy, by the way. If you know one, they're, they're, not, they're a whole nother level. But I thought it was going to be an announcement because he was like, children, children, come, sit. I have an announcement. So I sat in the front not realizing he was going to preach for like another hour and a half. And if you come from Pentecostal tradition, the front row is the splash zone. You know, I was like, just the rain. Talk about let it rain, Sarah. Like, it was just the rain. Like, it wasn't the rain that you want, you know. just And then, but I, I looked at this man. And I'm like, this man is crazy. Like, he's crazy. You know, but... I'm like, but I could tell he really believes in what he's saying. He re genuinely believes it. Like, he would die for it. Like, you could tell when somebody will die for what they believe. And I remember that day, I said, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. I don't want anything else. And that day, I remember, I countered the Holy Spirit. It was like being under a waterfall. It was the love that cannot be mimicked by any other love on this earth. It was a sound that cannot be mimicked by any other sound. It was a fulfillment that could only be met by a supernatural being. It's not something that you know. I love that phrase. I'm going to keep it. That whole faith is not a mental exercise. Oh, no. It was an experience. It was a life change. It was an encounter. You know, I know we're not supposed to over-spiritualize things and idolize experiences, and I totally get that. But my God is not a philosophy. He's not a theory, but he is God. The presence is tangible. It is real. It is actual. It is, it is realer than the air that you breathe. So I became saved that day. I was 16 years old, but man, I thought, this is it. This is me and Jesus. We're going to be BFFs, and it's, this is it. I did not realize that although the presence of God is great and is good, he's also a mystery. 
He's a mystery. And I could tell you time and time again where I questioned the goodness of his presence. I specifically remember January 2009, I told God, I want more of you so badly, I'm going to pray four to five hours per day. I was a youth pastor and I had no friends in San Diego, so that was possible, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's not like, wow, holy, no, I had no kids, no husband, it was just, it was just the whole thing. So I, and I, fam, I would wake up and I'll be like, like, I, I thought I was Moses. Like, I was, like, approaching the burning bush. Like, I would light candles. I would turn on music. I'd be rolling on the ground. Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. And you know what? That year was the hard, one of the hardest years of my life. It was almost as if the moment I said, Lord, I want more of you, the devil's like, oh, all right, all right. Like, you know, like, it was, it was crazy. And I just didn't understand, God, if, if I want more of you, why won't you give me more of you? Like, why, why is it so hard? I have four children. If any of them were to raise their hands and mommy, I would never be like, you know what? I want you to stay there and just be stronger and pure. Like, you know, I would, I would come to them. I would hold them. And I just kind of felt like, God, I feel like you're hard to love. And I don't understand what you're doing right now, and it's very frustrating. You know hunger is not enough. No, hold on. You know, some of you are like, what? No, it's, it's not enough. You have to have hunger and hope. Because hunger without hope leads to jadedness, leads to disappointment. I was hungry, but I had no hope. I'm like, God's left me. God's abandoned me. And I had other moments. You know, I, um, out of my four children, I have one son my second board, and he had a lot of health complications in the beginning stages of his life. You know, he had this crazy mix of eczema and allergies. It was really bad. He had double socks on both hands and both feet, bandages everywhere, needed oatmeal baths, was allergic to everything under the sun. Even on his allergy packets, it said he was allergic to dust in the air. I'm like, I can't control that. He was allergic to rice. He's Korean. How does that work? Oh my God, you, you messed with this. Like, I don't, I don't know, you, you dropped the ball on this. It's in his genetics, it's his heritage, you know? But he, he, like, he was just eating from like birth. Like he couldn't take regular milk. He, he had to eat cucumbers and like, it was just like a whole thing. And every night it took us about two to three hours to put him to bed. And we would, either my husband or myself, we would have to hold him so that he would not scratch himself to a bloody mess. Because every morning, we would open up his bedroom, and there would be blood all over the walls. Because he would take off his socks, he would scratch to the point where he would have open wounds. And so every night, it was torment for him, because he was just so itchy, inflamed. And every night, we would just lie there in the dark, just holding him, praying. And I believe in healing. I have seen blind eyes open. I have seen tumors disappear when you pray. I just did not understand why a good God that I have given my life to would not heal my son. It made no sense. It was a mystery. Sometimes, and this is what we do very often, is we misinterpret the mystery of God as abandonment. Sometimes we misinterpret the mystery of God as if it's a 
It's an allegation against his subpar character. You're not kind. You're not merciful. You're cruel. You're cold. You are aloof. Israel did this quite often, which is why we're going to turn to Numbers. Let's see, number 14. We're going to go into bits of 14, but if you will with me, because I want to make sure, I know whenever the pastor reads like a longer passage, people zone out, but I'm going to ask you not to. Okay, so we're going to go into Numbers 14, and I'm going to just read 1 to 9, and then later 36 to 45, okay? So the start and near the end, all right? So Numbers 14, 1 through 9, it says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now let's hop on over to verse 36. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Mercy, right? Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, now we're ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. As I know, it's a little bit, you know, sad. But up until this point, mind you, context, all right? The Lord has been loyal to Israel. 
The presence of God is loyal. Even when they rejected Moses at the start, when they were in Egypt, even though God sent Moses, the Lord remained. Even when they were grumbling in front of the Red Sea and blaming and accusing, even after the, the plagues in Egypt proved to them that God is real and God is kind and God is great, even still, the Lord remained and walked them through the Red Sea. Even as they grumbled over every meal, over, over every drink of water, even when they were threatened to leave and go back to Egypt, the Lord remained because the presence of God is loyal. He is not a flaky friend that walks away the moment you make a mistake or just because you forgot him for an afternoon. The presence of God is loyal. And here God was trying to lead Israel into the promised land. But they could not be led. That's, to me, that's profound. He was with them, and he was trying to lead them into everything that they asked for, everything that was promised, but it would have been easier to take a toddler through Target. <laughs> it would have been easier to leash a kitten and walk through Central Park. Israel could not be led and can we just take a moment to pause there to say just because you know him doesn't mean that you're very good at being led by him just because you have him doesn't mean you're following him just because you know the songs and you like your pastor does not mean you are being led by the presence of God. And it's really important to recognize that. You know, how many times, how many times have we said, come Holy Spirit, but what if he's already there? You know what I mean? Theologically, he is, right? You know? Maybe it's, Lord, give me the grace to follow you, recognize your voice, to hear you, to walk with you, Lord. You know, when people pray, Lord, move, do something, God, what if he is doing something? What if he already is, but we're not being led into it? God was doing the very thing the Israelites were asking for, but they could not be led. Why? Because the mystery offended them. Come on, come on, come on. Like, why didn't you answer this prayer this time? Sometimes we want Jesus to show up like Santa Claus, bearing gifts, super cuddly and nice. And when he doesn't look like that, it offends us. It discourages us. Where we're like, you know what? Forget it. Can you be led by the presence of God? That is the question. You see, even though Yahweh was loyal to Israel, Israel was not loyal to Yahweh. They were more loyal to other things. For example, they were more loyal to their fears. If you look 
in um, verse 3, right? It says, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Our fears diminish God. Isn't it interesting that in the mystery, they start to create a narrative about God's character. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. Oh, Jesus, 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 and you feel nothing. It's just like a wall. I guess he's just not here. We create a narrative. We fill in the blanks to explain the mystery with the story that God is neglectful, that God does not know what he is doing because Israel was more loyal to their fears. They were diminishing God. So back to that story about my son, right? You know, um, I remember one night, you know, I was like holding him and, you know, he was crying, kicking, and sometimes he smacks you in the face. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like, there are days when you're motivated and you're like, I could do this and you're filled with compassion. And there are other days when you're like, dude, just sleep. And I remember holding him and in my frustration and my exhaustion, this dark thought seeped out of me. It was almost as if God was trying to weed me out. And I remember like closing my eyes and in my spirit looking at God and saying, is this funny to you? That dark narrative of who he is is coming out. I was, in those days, so afraid for my son because he wouldn't be able to go to birthday parties. He wouldn't be able to sit with his friends in school because he had such severe allergies. Like, I was just so afraid for his future. I thought this is going to be it. Like this. And so what came out of me was, is this funny to you? Are you entertained? And then, sounds like Gladiator, right? Are you entertained? Well, that's how I was. I was Maximus. I was like, ah! You know? And, but this dark thought came out. And, and it, I wasn't proud of it. It wasn't appropriate. But I realized, beneath all the platitudes of God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, or I have hope, and like hope fulfilled is a tree of life, uh, behind all of that, was this this lie and this lie could have come up from maybe wounds in the past or or just a just wrong thinking that i've been taught along the way in a religious institution who knows but it was this lie that i believed about god that i'd never noticed because i was such a good church girl by that time that i did not believe that god was kind I knew that God was right, but I didn't think he was kind. I thought he was a sadistic teacher that'll make me go through hoops and loops if that's what it took to humble me and give me good character and have me honor his name and whatnot. That's what I thought about God. And it's so funny how storms unveil your true theology of who he is, right? It's interesting what pain does. It may conceal God, but it will reveal you. 
and it revealed me. And I realized I was just like the Israelites here who were just like, oh, God, he did this. So we should, it's better for us to go back. He's not good. And we're creating this narrative. In that moment, I was more loyal to my fears than I was loyal to the Holy Spirit. And it's so funny because this is how good God is, is. As I was admitting this, I remember because when you give God your honesty, you just start to unravel. And I felt the nearness of his presence in that room. Like I felt the room filled. Even though it was dark and dreary, I felt the room filled. And I was weeping before God and I felt his love because he's slow to anger, you see. He's filled with compassion and mercy. And he showed me that lie so that I could repent of it due to his kindness. Another thing that the Israelites were more loyal to than to the presence of God was their pride and compulsion. Their pride and compulsion. Isn't it so interesting how it says that they just kept going to the highest spot? So what they realized was, oh, they, so the Israelites, and the context here is, you know, God was trying to lead them to the promised land. They send the, the, the spies. The spies come back. About two say, oh, it's, this is good. This is good. We should do it. And then about 10 are like, no, we should not do it. We're going to be screwed. It's too hard. Uh, God has left us, so on. And they were just spreading faithlessness. They were spreading fear. And so in their compulsion, you know, because after they saw the, the wrath of God and the ones that uh, were rebellious, they, they died because of a plague and they were told that you're not going to go in. And so in their compulsion, in their pride, th thinking, I got to now power up because the presence of God is not doing what I want him to do. I got to power up. I got to go to the highest hill. And even though they were warned, God's not going to go there. They just had to. And they went into their demise. It's so interesting, right? It's like we feel as though, oh, God's not showing up the way we wanted to show. So we got to power up. We got to scream harder. We got to try harder. We got to serve harder. We feel like we got to power up. You can't power up with God. There's no, you just got to make room for God. You sometimes just got to get out of the way for God. Pride is thinking that I could do it with my strength as opposed to yielding and submitting and allowing him to demonstrate his strength. And what is compulsion? Compulsion is thinking my agenda supersedes God, so therefore I have to do it. You know that feeling of when somebody has like that wrong tone with you and you get this compuls compulsive feeling like I have to, I have to get them to like me. I, get th I, I have to get them to like me. Or they text you and they didn't add an emoji or they put a period when there shouldn't have been a period and you're like, wow, did I offend them? I don't know. And then you're just like compulsively thinking about it. It's the itch that needs to be itched, but nothing makes us disobey the presence of God than following compulsion as opposed to his leading. But even in the church, we do the same exact thing. Oh, I, I got I to gotta do the dishes. I got I to gotta, I gotta serve. I got to be in welcome. I, gotta, I, gotta have to do it. I have to do it this way because that's how God wants. And I, and I screwed up this week, so therefore I have to earn his forgiveness. I have to do something nice. I have to do that. And by the way, sidebar, I'm not saying don't serve. Okay? The don't go to Andrew later and be like, well, I don't want to live by compulsion, so therefore 
I'm not going to volunteer this weekend. No, no, no. Well, please volunteer. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, you know. But what I'm saying is, is it because we're following the presence of God or because we compulsively need to ensure that we're okay with him? Is it because we're following his voice or because we compulsively need for people to see that we're not all that bad? You know what I mean? Are we following his presence or are we following compulsion, fear, pride? And this is just like a little bit of the Pentecostal like side of me. Okay, but hold on. I remember once, because I was a youth pastor for about 12 years, okay? It was sanctifying. I became the most like Jesus during those years, you know? <laughs> and I remember um, I was in this season, I was praying for revival, praying for revival, praying for revival. And there was always like this part of me that felt like, you know what, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing revival services. I think I'm supposed to be doing like discipleship classes. But then I remember in my head, I'm like, no, I want, I want them to revival. I believe in the next generation. I believe in a move of the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. And I remember just, I would spend hours, just, God, do it. God, why aren't you doing it? Holy Spirit, do it. God, just do it, just do it. I'd fast, I'd pray, I'd, I'd preach really loud, you know, and I would just do all these things. But I remember one, one time I had a dream. And in my dream, I actually saw three, like the, the Godhead, like I saw one, two, three, like and each one representing the Godhead of God. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Fatherhead was looking at me and, was, and saying, you do not know the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what? Like, I was so offended. I'm like, I serve you. Like I and then I looked and I saw the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit looked so grieved. And I could sense in this dream like, "Oh, you've been doing stuff. Like you've been working hard. And yet I just keep telling you you're not doing anything." You know what I mean? What if God already is here? What if God is already doing something? But what if we need to submit ourselves to the presence of God. Not submit ourselves to people's approval. Not submitting ourselves to culture and tradition. Or the compulsive need to make sure I'm not going to hell. But submitting to the presence of God. To his voice. To his love. I mean, long story short, if you know the rest of scripture, you know that even though um, the consequences were there, God has never left Israel. If you see in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. The Lord had never left Israel or else the, the Bible would have stopped right here, you know? And for us, the Holy Spirit will not leave us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, and I'm going to close really soon, so bam, okay. <laughs> but you know the blood of Jesus is strong. Would you know that? You know, even on your worst day, the Holy Spirit is still with you because of the blood of Jesus? Even when you are very aware that what's going on in your mind is severely inappropriate, 
Do you know the blood of Jesus still works? It's still strong? And the Holy Spirit is still with you? Even when the people you least expect rejects you, you know the blood of Jesus still works and the Holy Spirit is still with you? The presence of God is loyal. Can we be loyal to him? You know, I wasn't like born this way. I know I preach a loud game now, you know. But when I first became a pastor, I felt so unworthy. And I was kind of young, too. And so when people would call me pastor, it felt very awkward. And I would say, like, oh, don't call me pastor. Don't, don't, don't. It's like God was trying to lead me into a new season of spiritual authority, but I could not follow. Because it made no sense. And I remember I really fought it, and I was always just stressed, you know. I was just genuinely always so stressed about every flaw that I would commit. And there was just always so much fear, like, what if this fails? What if this doesn't work? What if he leaves me hanging? Because the mystery of the presence of God scared me. And I remember for so, and there was no power in anything that I did because I was just, it was always calculated and I would only do what felt like it was worth it in terms of the risk assurance ratio. I remember once we were doing like like a mission trip and it's funny because I was the leader of this mission trip even though I was dry as bones. And we were in Panama and we were like in this, I don't know, mountainous area. And like, you know when the presence of God is there and there's revival and like people are going nuts. But do you ever have that feeling? Like it seems like I, I could tell Jesus is here, but he's not here with me. That's how I felt. You know, people were dancing for a very long time. Okay. People were crying. I felt nothing. If anything, I felt the opposite of nothing. I felt dead. And I, I was just looking at the clock, like, fam, when's revival over? Because I got to go home. Like, I got to, I'm hungry. Like, I was just, isn't it interesting how distracted we can be when we're not one with the presence of God? You know, there are places in the world where literally a cow will go through Sunday service. And no one will blink an eye. They will just be so fixated on the presence of God. Here in America, there could be a misspelling right here. And we're like, wow, I can't sing it. Like, I just can't do it. You know? We're so distracted. Why? Because maybe we're more loyal to the program than we are to his presence. If the character of a pastor could stop us from worshiping, maybe we have been more loyal to the pastor than we have been with his presence. If we have been loyal to the presence, nothing can stop us. Not even the mystery. Not even the pain. Not even the rejection. Not even the loss. And I remember in that moment, just being in that place, like, I was like, oh, man, like, okay, God is clearly here, but he must not like me because I'm, nothing's happening. And I remember I went to, like, a corner because it was so distracting because everyone was so happy and whatever in his presence, you know. And I remember I, I, I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus... I can never be who you want me to be. And that was my most honest prayer. I want to be 
I so wish I can be who you want me to be. But I can't. And I told him, I don't think I ever can. I'm not even going to make promises to you. In that moment, I felt what the only comparable way to explain it, it felt like a blanket came, op- like came over me, came upon me. And even though it was loud in that sanctuary, it almost felt quiet. And I heard him say my name. Faith Yuri. Back then I was Kim, so Faith Yuri Kim. I love you anyways. And can I tell you, every part of who I was unraveled before him. Like, you know all that, and you still got me? You still love me? You're still with me? I think, I think then, I could trust you with everything. Jesus, I trust you with my name. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my ministry. I trust you. There's no powering up in the presence of God. You could only lie prostrate before him. Holy, holy, holy are you. For I am not, but you are. Our loyalty to God is not contingent on your character or your ability or your strength. It's out of love. Do you love him? Do you love him? Can we all rise for a bit? Can we can we, can we all rise? And if you will with me and you could space out a little bit if that helps you and i know it's going to be so easy to grab a snack or like do what you know it's so easy to do that but can we just take a moment because god is doing something right now and can you just if it helps close your eyes you can my only request is don't look at me though because i ain't jesus right (laughs) but people do that right they just look at us right (laughs) but Just go to him in the way that's most authentic to you. And can you ask the Lord, God, is there a lie that I believe about you? Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you unveil our hearts. Unveil our hearts, Jesus. Yeah. If you want to go further, you could even say, God, where did this lie come from? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. 
And if you want to go even further, you could say, God, is there somebody I need to forgive for allowing me to believe in this lie? For some of you, you may have had a, a sketchy relationship with a parent, and that may have led to a belief that God is the same way. You could just start to forgive your parents. Say, God, you're not like that. Yeah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song as we start to continue to minister right now. Yeah, Jesus. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through
answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same. You were providing oh, You were providing then. God providing now. You are the same God. You are the same. You moved in power then. You moved in power then. God moved in power now. You are the same. Yeah. You are the same. You are a healer. You are a healer. You are a healer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You are a Savior. You are a Savior now. You are the same God. You are the same. You free the captain. You free the captive. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the. You touch the leper. You touch the leper. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are our God. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, around. Oh, Today, we're going to break any loyalty to anyone or anything other than the presence of God. So bear with me here. There's space up here, but also there's space in the back. But whatever it is, can you just, if you have any loyalties that have been above the presence of God, today you could break free because where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on. You could just raise your hand. You could come up to the front. Kind of like what Sarah was saying, faith is not a mental exercise. It's something that we show. It's something that we do. It's something that it, with our very heart, soul, being, mind, strength, everything. Today we could break our loyalty to lust. If we could break our loyalty to toxic codependent relationships. We could break our loyalty to shame. We could break our loyalty to financial stress. Some of you, you're living to survive when God wants you to thrive. We live for the bills, but God wants you to live for his word. Can we just break 
all our loyalties today. And if you come up to the front, the prayer team will know that we're going we're gonna to break it with you. If some of you, you're like, you know what, I know I should break it, but I can't, you know, it's all good. Just come up to the front. Come up with your honesty, not your performance. You know what I mean? So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to release you to respond how you feel led to respond. You could stand where you are. You could just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I break from my loyalty with insecurity. No more. I break from my loyalty to my social media addiction. I, I break from my loyalty to the need to perform. Like I break from my loyalty to my wounds. Some of you are so committed to be angry. Well, we need to be committed to be yielded to the presence. So whatever it is, we're going to break all those loyalties today. So Jesus, right now to everyone here, that wants to lay down their idols, that want to lay down their earthly attachments, to be free from their fears once and for all, to, free, to be free from the things that plague their mental health, to, to, that plague their physical health, that plague their relationships. Jesus, we don't want any of that anymore. We just want your spirit. So Holy Spirit, move. I ask that you move and do what you need to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may respond. Jesus, Jesus.